0: All right, well, I wanted to, uh, if you see this, this is actually my son's toolbox, and uh, I had to take this to show you a couple of things for the story I'm going to tell you. My son is going to be, actually, in just under a month, my son is going to turn three, if you can believe that or not, thank you, um, but my son comes out of his room with all of his tools, and uh, he looks at me, and he says, Papi, I fix you, and uh, so he tells me to lay down, and the first thing he does is he takes. This is all. This, all these tools are from the show Handy Manny. Um, and so he takes his tool. And he says, "This is Turner. He's a flathead screwdriver." And he takes a screwdriver and he just sticks it in my stomach, like just jabs me with it. I'm like, "Oh!" And then he just starts turning. And uh, and then he felt okay about that. And then he asked me to roll over. So I rolled over. And then he got the saw out. The saw's name is Dusty. And he just starts sawing my back. Apparently, he's going into a career as a magician. Um, now my lovely assistant will be sawn in half. And, uh, so then once he was done with that, he gets the, um, Phillips head screwdriver. His name is Felipe. And, um, he, he starts doing the same thing, kind of like just turning this thing. Cause apparently I'm more screwed up than he thought, uh, initially. And he just starts doing that. And then he has me stand up. And so I stand up and he says, okay, now I measure you. And so then now this, the, the measure, the tape measures name is stretch. But the thing is, because it's a toy, it's not a real tape measure. The tape measure only goes that far. And so, but he forgot that. So he takes out the tape measure and he goes, and he goes, <laughs> and so he kind of does this for a minute. And he goes, yeah, you're big. And then he puts that away. And, uh, and then he just kind of gives me a clean bill of health and walks away with his toolbox. And now the reason that it to me is hilarious is because he's simply imitating what I do with him. And that is when we, whenever I go into the garage, like I'll tell care, Ke- I take of the garbage recycles or like, recyclables or something. He goes, I come too, I come too, And so he comes running out with me and then I'll usually take the tape measure. I'm like, all right, stand up straight, take the tape measure, measure him. This is how tall you are. And he's, yes, I am the biggest, you know, he's got to gets, gets real excited. And then we'll t- there's a, you know, laundry room, which is how you get out in our house, so you get out to the garage, um, there behind the door, we have all these lines and all these lines, you know, it'll say Mia, three years old, Xander, two years old. And then it just gives us, and then the date. Um, and so you just have all of these different lines with, um, with names and numbers and all this kind of showing how much the kids have grown over the years. And so they, they get so excited to stand behind and sometimes you'll see them and they'll like go on their tips. It was like, Hey, flatten your, those feet. And then, you know, they got to straighten out their back and then we, you know, measure and then they'll see how much they've grown over the last couple of months. And so they just get so excited when they see like, hey, in three months you've grown an inch and a half or two inches, whatever. And uh, they get, it's, it's so exciting. And, and here's the thing, is that growth is much easier to measure physically. Spiritually, it's a little trickier. Um, what I want to spend our time talking about today uh, is talking about spiritual growth. I want to talk about how spiritual growth happens and how we take our relationship with God to the next level. And see, the thing is, because there are so many misconceptions about spiritual growth, I feel like we have to start there talking about what spiritual growth is not. And that once we decide and start from a baseline of understanding what spiritual growth is not, we can start building on uh, what spiritual growth actually is. So spiritual growth, if you're taking notes, and I hope you have your notes out, the pen that we gave you. But here's four things that I want to tell you about spiritual growth. Number one, spiritual growth is not automatic. It's not automatic. Now, sometimes we think that just because we're Christians, that we will automatically grow in our faith. That's not true. In fact, there many Christians aren't growing for that very reason. And that's why there are some, and they've been Christians for years, but they're still very immature. They're still babies spiritually. And that's why the Apostle Paul would write in in, uh, Hebrews 5, he says, and you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. You see, once we recognize this, it's not automatic. We can begin to take intentional steps to growing and maturing. The second issue is that is this that spiritual growth is not mystical. It's not mystical. Sometimes we have this idea that spiritual growth is shrouded in drama, shrouded in mystery. How does it happen? No one knows. God just kind of bops you on the head. He gives you a bibbity-bobbity boop and that's how you become mature. I had no idea. I would know everything about the Bible all in one afternoon. That's not the way it works. And sometimes we think that God just kind of bops us on the head and that's what makes us godly. It's not the case. Spiritual maturity comes, it's the consistent doing of certain habits that make us grow and make spiritual growth a reality in our lives. And the thing that's important um, for us to, to recognize is that one of the things that we do at times is that we, we split um, the physical and the spiritual. We'll talk about things, well, you know, my spiritual life doesn't affect what I do normally. And that's just not the case. Your physical life affects what you do spiritually. Your spiritual life affects what you do, uh, you know, they're all intertwined. You see, your spiritual maturity, the increased level of or lack of, will affect how you speak, how you think, what you say, what you spend your time with, what you spend your money on, who you associate with, where you go. Your spiritual maturity affects everything in your life. Paul would write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. You see, physical fitness comes when we are consistently doing certain things. The same thing is true spiritually. There is learning, the certain learning of spiritual exercises and being disciplined to do them until they become habits. That's how character is shaped. It's shaped by the habits that we develop. The other thing I want to tell you, third thing that spiritual growth is not spiritual growth is not a single event. It's not a single event. It doesn't happen overnight, there's no magic bullet. That's why many Christians, they go from church to church, conference to conference, experience to experience, hoping the next thing is what will make them mature. Listen to what the Apostle Peter would write. He said these words. He said, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the general provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. You see, it's, these, it's several things that we do over the course of time that make all the difference. It's not a singular event. The, other, the next thing I want to tell you, fourthly, is this. Spiritual growth is not just knowledge. It's not just knowledge. The biggest misconception, I believe, about maturity as a Christian is that maturity is what you know. That's part of it. But maturity as a Christian is what you do with what you know. It's not just knowing a bunch of stuff. That's why the apostle Paul, or that's why the apostle Peter wrote at the end of his second epistle, he wrote, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because knowledge speaks of your head, but grace speaks of your heart. And it's not an either or deal. It's both and. And let's not overemphasize one to the exclusion of the other. And this, the reason I tell you all of this by way of introduction is that this is at the very heart of what we're going to cover today in our uh, passage in 1 John. And this, let me tell you something, as we began this series now, this is the fourth message in a series called Real as we're working our way through the book of 1 John. And let me tell you why you should be at the edge of your seat during this message. Here's why. Because if you aren't growing spiritually, you will not be here in a year. And I don't mean like, oh, you mean I'll be on vacation in Hawaii? No, I don't mean that. And I don't mean, oh, you mean I'll just be, I'll move and I'll go to another church? That's not what I mean. I mean, you'll be gone. I mean, you'll, you'll, you won't be walking with God a year from now if you don't make a consistent effort to keep growing in your faith. A year from now, you won't be here. The Christian life is not a place where we can stand still Spiritually. We're either progressing or digressing. I like to say that the Christian life is like walking up a down escalator. That you're either taking steps and moving forward or you're standing still and heading back down in the wrong direction. And here's the truth of the matter. Here's why you need to be on the edge of your seat because the people who love you need you to grow. Your spouse needs you to grow. Your kids need you to grow. Those who aren't believers in your family need you to grow. The people that you love, that you work with, that you're related to, that you live near, that you go to school with, they need you to grow. Your church needs you to grow so that you can reach your full potential by God's grace. And so what John does in this passage is short three verses that we're going to spend all of our time looking at in 1 John Is He he lays out for us three levels, three stages of spiritual growth. And we're going to take time to look at each one. And here's what I want you to do. And this is the thing that I think is so important. Is what I don't want you to do is just listen and say, wow, that's very interesting and all that. But here's what I really want you to do. What I want you to do is, I want you to listen to them and say, where am I in these three stages? Where am I headed in these three stages? And here's what I want you to do. On the back of your connection card... And that all would be filled out earlier. On the back, you'll see a section that says prayer requests. And feel free to fill in your prayer requests there. But here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to write, am I at stage 1, 2, or 3? Now, don't write it in yet because I haven't told you what they are. So you're just guessing at this point. Um, but I want you, to, I want you to, to write in at the end of our message, where are you at stage 1, stage 2, or stage 3? And one of the things that I'm going to tell you is how to get from the stage that you are to the next level. And the reason why this is so important is because this week I'm going to take time to look at all of these, because what I want to know is where we are. What's the spiritual state of our church, of our congregation? And then we're going to do our very best to help you, wherever you are, take your next step and take, go from where you are to where God ultimately wants you to be. So open with me to 1 John chapter 2. That's what we're going to be. And we're going to start in verse 12. And John writes, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you've known Him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you've known the Father. I write to you fathers because you've known Him who is from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. If you pause there and give me your attention, here's the first thing that I want to share with you in these verses. Spiritual growth level one is the encounter stage. The encounter stage. This is the stage when you first come to know Jesus. It's where you're learning the fundamental, foundational truths of the Christian faith. And you know what I've learned? It doesn't matter how old you are. It, I mean, you could be four or five years old learning the fundamental truths, depending on the family that you're born into. You could be in your 20s or 30s or your 60s learning the fundamental truths of the Christian faith. I, I, I learned this. Um, I, I kind of saw this yesterday in, in, in so vividly. Um, some of you know that I just signed a two book contract with Baker Books. Uh, yeah, thank you. Very excited about that. Uh, Baker is actually one of my favorite publishing houses. And uh, so I was very honored that they, um, made such an effort to, uh, to sign me to these, this two book contract. But, um, but I have the way it works, the both, both books release in the fall of next year. Um, but you have to ha- I have to have the books written by September 30th. So I've got two books that need to be written 60,000 words, which is pretty much what I think about when I go to sleep at night is how many do you have written? I don't know, like nine, how many do I need? 60,000. Uh, so I like, get to work. And, um, so yesterday I was off, um, and I was doing some uh, doing some writing. I'm at my uh, kitchen, uh, dining room table, and I'm typing on uh, on my on my laptop. And um, my daughter comes over. My daughter's five, and she says, Boppy, I'm going to sit next to you." And I said, "Sure." She says, "I'm here because I'm doing research about God." And I said, "Okay." And she's holding her devotion. She has this devotional book. It's like this princess devotional book, and um, so she has it in her hand. So I kind of stop what I'm writing because I'm just so interested in, in what she's doing. And so I, I'm, just, I'm just watching what she's doing. And the, the devotional book usually has one Bible verse. Then it'll have like one paragraph about it. And then it'll have a prayer at the end. So my daughter is just so advanced that she's reading. It's amazing to me how um, how advanced she is in her reading, and she's only five. So she reads this whole section, and then she reads the prayer. And I see her kind of fold her hands and close her eyes, and then she reads the prayer, and she says, okay, I'm done. And I'm like, well, what did you read? And so she starts talking to me about it. I'm like, well, can I see it? So she shows me, and it's about how the whole devotional is how God is at work in the world. And when we serve God, we're actually... Partnering with him, essentially, is what it said. It said it in kind of simplified terms. But we're involving ourselves in kingdom work and being involved in what God is doing um, when we serve him. And I, and I was so amazed. And I asked her about that. And we, we had this whole conversation about what it means to serve. And do you know people at church? And I started mentioning names of people at church who serve. Do you know them? I said, yeah, well, they all serve. I said, all of us. We're all servants. We all serve God in different capacities. And I said, and as you get a little bit older, you're going to start serving. And I said, you, you know, you help out now, but you're going to be able to serve even more as you get older and your brother and all this. So I'm telling her all this. And, she's, and, and you know what's amazing to me? She's five. And she knows about this. I didn't learn about that stuff until I was 20 years old. I didn't become a Christian until I was 19. I had been a Christian for about a year or so when I learned about this, the importance of serving God, and what God is doing in the world, how we can partner with Him. She's five and she's learning it. I was 20. And, and, and you might say, yeah, man, I'm, I'm 40 and I'm just learning it, or or maybe, or maybe older. It doesn't matter. But you're in this first stage, what we call the encounter stage. This is the stage where you're, you're a newer believer, where John would write and he would say little children. Now understand, in our culture, to be called a little child or, or an infant, is, sometimes we would think of that as an insult. In John's culture, it was not an insult. It was just a reality of life, that there were some who were infants, there were some who were young men, there were some who were fathers, that they are, these are stages of development, stages of growth. And that when, when he talks of the, about this, this child of being an infant, this is a, a brand new believer. I mean, you've just come to faith in Jesus. And as you've just come to faith in Jesus, now, um, you know, and so you say, well, what stage is that? And I would say, if you've been a Christian for two years or less, and I hesitate even using um, the, just kind of giving you like, you know, this, well, zero to 24 months as an infant or whatever, um, spiritually, because, you know, one of the things that I've learned, is that um, many times people haven't... I talk to people, oh, I've been a Christian for 10 years. And they haven't been a Christian for 10 years. They've been a Christian for one year 10 times. Um, Like, they've never really grown. They're just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And they're just kind of like on the treadmill, you know, where it's like exerting a lot of effort but not moving anywhere. And, and, And so... You know, and it's like they've been one year for one. They've been a Christian for one year ten times. They're not going anywhere because, while the truth is, you're only young. You're only young once, but you can be immature for a lifetime. And so the question then becomes: Well, he says little children, but what is it that he needs? What is it that these little children need to know? And he says to this group two things. He says, "I write to you because your sins are forgiven, and I write to you because you've known the Father." Those are the two things that are so important. Um, I have an infant at home. My daughter Olivia uh, will be six months old this week. And uh, we are so blessed to have her. I mean, she's been such a great addition to our family. And she's growing and developing and learning. And she's having a great time. But do you know that, um, you know what infants do? When they get hungry, they cry. Um, infants, like, poop their pants because they don't know how to use the restroom. Um, you know that if you're, that's, that's and that's okay when you're an infant. That's expected, We're prepared for that when you're an infant. When you get older, could you imagine leaving church and going to a restaurant and there's a wait and you're waiting there and there's just some adult and they just like, "Ah! what's wrong? I'm just so hungry. They're like, dude, you need medication, right? That's just messed up. And and so, but people, but listen, right? Because at at a certain stage of life, that's acceptable. At another stage of life, it's totally unacceptable. And, and we all recognize that. Now, John tells them, your sins are forgiven, little children, and you've known the Father. Why does he tell them these two things? Because these are the two most important things that new believers need to know. That they are forgiven, and that they know God, and that that God that they know loves them. And here's why. Here's why you need to know that you're forgiven if you're a new believer. is because new believers, here's what they find out shortly after they've learned that Jesus has forgiven them of every sin they've ever committed, they learn this, that sometimes they still mess up. Sometimes they still fall. Sometimes they still fail. Sometimes they still sin. And so when they stumble, they need the knowledge that God has forgiven them. For even that sin, not only the sins of their past, but the sins of their present and their future have been forgiven He tells them that they've known the Father. You know why? Because when a new believer experiences the challenges of life for the very first time, and they're saying, oh man, where's God? I need Him. I'm going through a difficult time. Where is He? Is He really here? They need to understand, yes, He is there. And they're just starting to learn that God uses the trials of life to build our faith. That James would write in his epistle, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. Because the, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience. So let patience have its perfect work so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. So how does a person move from being a little child, like John says, to the second stage, which is being a young man? According to what John says in these verses, it's one thing, trusting God. That's the difference. That's the, that's the difference maker. And how is that? It's not just, well, it's not just, by the way, it's not just saying you trust God. It's actually trusting him. Little children are looking for something other than God's word to give them victory in their lives. What young men do is that they trust the word of God and rest in that. Children are looking for an experience to base their, to base their faith, to build their faith on. Children are looking for a feeling to build their faith on. Young men, according to what John says, are trusting in what God's Word says and their faith is built on what God's Word has to say. That's the kind of trust that we're talking about. That's why in in Romans 10, Paul would write, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Spiritual growth level one. It's It's the encounter stage. Spiritual growth level two is the education stage. The education stage. Now, let me um, explain it this way. There are three levels to mastering just about anything in life. The first is information. The second is repetition. The third is mastery. Information is when you're hearing things for the first time. It's when you learn all the Bible stories for the first time. It's when... Uh, you start seeing these little nuances in the Bible that you never saw before. And you get so excited. And you get geeked out. You go, oh man, I never saw that before. And you're so excited. And then you come to a place where you enter a different phase. Not, not the phase of information. You enter the phase of repetition. This is the part that no one likes. In fact, this is the part where most people drop off. That's why they never reach maturity. is because they can't stand the part of Repetition. And this is true in just about any area. When I was in high school, I used to give guitar lessons. And so guys would come, would come over my house. They'd bring their bass or their guitar. And then I would, I'd teach them how to play um, bass or guitar. And I'd charge 10 bucks an hour, which back then was like all the money in the world. And uh, so it was great. And so what would happen is they'd be like, all right, I want to learn. And so I would teach them some basic things, notes. I would teach them scales. And I would say basically everything when it comes to playing. Everything, playing guitar, playing bass, is based on learning scales. Everything. Um, if not, you will be lost trying to play songs because if, when you learn scales and what notes are in key and what notes are out of key, and you learn the positions. So I teach them, you know, this is second position, this is first position, this is third position on how to play these different scales. And you play them, they're the same notes, but you play them in different ways, in different octaves um, on, the, on the fretboard of a bass or a guitar. I say, but if you can understand how this works, you'll be able to play any song. But you have to memorize the scales. I mean, and I would tell them, I would say, well, you know, oh, but I don't have a lot of time to practice. I'd say, that's okay. You take your forearm. And you just start going like this. And you just learn the shapes of all of the scales. And then I would teach them variations of the scales of how they could play it. I'm like, if you want to play lead guitar, you learn different variations of the scales. Um, and just learn, you repeat the different notes and all that. you see the whole thing? That's how, you, that's how you learn to play lead guitar. And so I'd play them all that. And so what happened is, then they'd come back. Okay, now teach me something else. I'd say, okay, show me how you do on the scales. Well, I'm not so good at the scales, but teach me something else. they would say, okay, this is it. This is it. I'm going to teach you some chords. I can help you that. But if you... I mean, you want to really even understand how all these chords work together. You have to understand the scales and what notes are in key and what notes are out of key. Well, you got any other notes? Well, God only created eight. Right? That's it. Yeah, but I'd like some other notes. Well, maybe there's somewhere else, but not on this planet. All right? There's only eight. Oh, but I really... You know, and this is the point where guys would drop off. Because the the issue... Is not about learning something new. That's the information stage. The second stage is the stage of repetition where you're playing it over and over and over and over again. And then when you can play it without even thinking about it, you begin to enter the stage of mastery. Let me take this now to church world where we're living in. In church world, this is where um, you, you, you maybe come here for a while and then you, you say, oh, you know... You know, I've, I've heard that before. Oh, yeah, I heard that story. Mm. Oh, yeah, I read that Bible verse once. Huh, it's interesting. Pastor Bob didn't share anything that I don't already know. I really must be a master. Um, and, and so and you start you start to think that like, wow, I just I, I, I've learned everything, I guess. And, and so that must mean that must mean that I'm not growing. And you know what happens? This is the number one reason. Number one, hands down, as to why most Christians never reach maturity in Christ. Is not because they don't have the information. It's because they will not put up with the season of repetition to, the, to reach the point of mastery. Um, I do this thing with my daughter that I start telling a story um, and she'll, she'll say, oh, I already know that story. So you do? Tell me about it. Well, and so I'll say, you know, there's this kid, and his name was David. And David uh, was talking to his dad. I know, and then David went, and he bought a guy named Goliath, and then he killed him, and then that was that. Tell me another story. I'm like, oh, so you know this story. Yes, I know that story. Okay, then you tell the story to me. Well, and then she starts. Well, there's this kid, and his name was David. And then, um, well uh hm. I think there was a Jedi. I don't know. And then, and and it's like, okay, well, you know, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but it's not here. And uh, and, and so, and I'm like, well, all right. So, so here's the whole thing. And so I let her kind of get into this because she says she already heard the story. And I'm, expl- and then this is the whole point that I tell her, because this is the le- the story is not the lesson. This is the lesson, because then as she tries to do this, I'm like, okay, Mia, let me help you. What was David doing? After he talked to his dad, what did his dad ask him to do? Uh, His dad asked him to deliver 10 blocks of cheese. Really? Yeah. His dad asked him to deliver 10 blocks of cheese to his brothers who were fighting in Israel's army. What was the name of the king? Um, I don't know. Okay, his name was Saul. And so we kind of go through this whole thing. And, And the whole point that I tell her is this. And I say, Mia, there's a difference between having heard a story before and knowing the story what we're trying to do this whole season of repetition is so that you memorize the story so that you really know the story. This is what happens in church. I'm telling you, this happens in church uh, and they hear, Hey, and so, you know, like in February, um, we, the, this year we did it, this whole series on, on marriage. And, 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 and I, and I saw some people, they're like, pastor, Bob's going to do another series on marriage. Um, and I'm like, yeah, when you start doing the stuff, maybe I'll stop teaching it. Um, and so uh, so that's the first part of it. But then they'll be like, well, but I already know that stuff. Oh, you do. Do you? Um, so why don't you tell it to me? Well, you know, uh, I don't know. There was a Jedi. I don't know. And it's like, OK, so you've heard it before. But just because you've heard it doesn't mean that you know it. Because the only way that you know it is through the season of repetition. But nobody likes repetition because they've already heard it before. But the only way that you master it is by repetition over and over and over. And I mean, this is the thing. And and so sometimes this happens like, so, Pastor, are you going to do another gospel presentation? Like again? (laughs) Yeah. You know why? Not just for people here who don't know Jesus. The gospel presentation is for those of you that do. Because you're going to be talking to your coworker at lunch. And they'll be like, you know, I really need to invite Jesus into my life. Can you help me with that? Oh, man, I wish I was paying attention when Bob was giving those invitations. Okay. I need you to come forward in the restaurant. I think that's part of it. And then, but I need to pray, right? Yeah, something about Jesus opening my heart or something. Then there was like a Jedi. I don't know. I think, and there's something, all right? And it's like, listen, that's why it's not just for those who don't know Jesus, for those who do. Because when you hear it over and over and over again, and now you're confronted with it, now you know what to do. That's the point. And the third part, listen, is mastery. Mastery is when you know it inside and out. Can I ask you this? How many of you are married? Can I ask you that? All right, look, a lot of you, those of you that aren't, like you need to work on that. Um, all right. And... uh now, let me ask you this. Just think about this. How many times have you told the story of how you and your spouse met? Like, whew, millions of times, right? You've told it so many times. In fact, there's parts of the story that he tells better and there's parts of the story that she tells better. And in fact, when there's, there was a point in time when you were telling the story and she said, no, 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 let me," t- I tell this part better. And that's how it became. So now, when you tell the story, it's like this carefully rehearsed drama. And, you know, and then like when the other's doing it, you're like doing, you know, like music in the background or something, you know what I mean? So, I mean, you've got this whole thing carefully rehearsed. My wife and I have told the story of how we met so many times that my, and for whatever, there's a part in the story. My wife doesn't like of like what I did. And and, and every time she tells, she gets mad at me. She's like, well, then there's, and I can't believe you, by the way. I'm like, it was 20 years ago, woman. Get over it. It didn't happen. We were just retelling the story. I didn't redo the thing. And so anyway, and so she. there's this, this whole thing, right? But listen, it doesn't matter where you are. You walk in the room and she's telling the story. You can get dropped right into the action because you know it word for word. That is mastery, that you've just heard it and told it, and you've heard it, and you've told it, and you lived it, and now you know it. Spiritual maturity is the result of knowing God's Word so well, it's like breathing. It's just a natural part of your life, and it influences everything that you do. John tells these young men, you see what he he tells them um, there in, in, in verse 13? He says, I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. And then he tells them how in verse 14. I, I write to you, young men, because you're strong. God's, the word of God abides in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. That God's word abiding, living, that you know God's word so well that it's like breathing. That is the characteristic of a young man in the faith. That's stage two of spiritual growth. And how does, how, how do you, how do you go from the stage two of spiritual growth? to now this third level of spiritual growth. Listen, this is the part that nobody likes, but it's the part that has to happen if you want to get to the third level. You embrace the season of repetition. Knowing that having heard the story and knowing the story are different, but then there's something else. That having heard the story, knowing the story, and having experienced the story Are three totally different things. And that now takes us to spiritual growth level three and that is the experiential stage. The experiential stage where he talks about fathers. Um, Let me explain it this way. Uh, My family took me to Flemings, uh, which is a steakhouse in Coral Gables for Father's Day uh, last Saturday. Now, Flemings is my favorite steakhouse. So those of you that are like, when's Pastor Bob's birthday? October. When's Pastor's Appreciation Month? October. So, you know, start saving up. And... uh, And so I I took, (laughs) um, I'm kidding, but I, I, uh, well, kind of. Uh, So my family took me there. Now, the three best steaks I've ever had in my life were all at Fleming's, at different Fleming's that I've been to uh, across this great nation. And so, but here's the problem with Fleming's. There really is a downside to going to Fleming's. And that is that when you eat another steak at some, some other steakhouse, you will think, About the steak that you had at Fleming's. It will ruin every other steak for you. Because you will go. You know maybe you go to like a steakhouse after church. And if you've been to Fleming's. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to take a bite of the steak. And you're like. That's not bad. But I wonder what's happening at Fleming's right now. Hmm. I'd probably be having so much more fun. If I was at Fleming's right now. And every person I know that's gone to Fleming's has had that same experience. That becomes the baseline by which they judge every other steak they eat for the rest of their lives. And it's like they season that stuff with crack because every time you have one, you want another one. You're asking for coins on the street. I need the $52 steak at Fleming's. Help me out. And uh, so, (laughs) (laughs) boy, I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, (laughs) Scratch that from the notes. Uh, So now, but here's the, here's the reality. The same thing is true when you drink deeply of the things of God, it just ruins you for other stuff, other stuff that people Oh, this is so great. Like, yeah, it's all right. Why? Because it just doesn't even compare to the experience that you've had when you've drunk deeply of the things of God. And a spiritual father is someone who knows God, but not just knows God because they read a book one time. No, they know God because they know God experientially. Um, they, they've experienced trusting God. They've been through difficult times and see God do amazing things in their life. Listen, when I when we on occasion when we talk about like tithing and giving and finances, and, and I talk to you about my personal experience and what God has done in my life, this is not stuff that I read in a book. This is not like 200 quips and phrases about giving that you, that pastors have, you know. What I'm telling you are just the depths of 20 years of walking with God and watching Him do the miraculous in my life. And so when I share with you, listen, I'm not sharing from just this. Hey, wouldn't this be interesting if it worked out? No, no, no. I'm saying, listen, this is what it looks like when you really trust, when you take hold of, when you really go for it with God. This is what happens. That's the word of a father to a son. That's the word of someone who is a spiritual father to spiritual kids. That's why um, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, this is what the Apostle Paul says. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Listen, any true spiritual father lives a life that's worth imitating. And if they aren't, then they aren't really walking with God in a way that a spiritual father does. Listen, those of us that are parents, can I speak to just the parents for a moment? Listen, you're teaching your kids to walk with God the same way that you walk with Him. And you're like, no, no, not but see, I, I know for me, but I want them to do better than I did. And so I'm teaching them different things than what I do. I'm sorry, but that's not the way it works. If you want your kids to walk with God differently, you've got to change the way that you walk with God. Because your kids are simply going to reflect your walk with God. And so if you want your kids to be close to God, you've got to be close to God because they're not going to do anything different than, than what you do. Certainly not when they're living under your roof. And that's why, listen, if we need our kids to change, then we need to change and model maturity for our kids. In First Thessalonians 2, the Bible says this, For you yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. And we pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. In Judaism, a young man is someone who was in his 20s. And at the age of 30 is when he could enter the priesthood. It's when he become, could become a rabbi. It's at the age of 30 that Jesus, of course, began his ministry. So what is a spiritual father? A spiritual father is someone who reproduces himself spiritually. As a physical father has reproduced himself physically physically. A spiritual father isn't a person who's moved by every weird wave of doctrine that comes through, blowing through the church. He isn't moved by circumstances or difficulty. Listen, they have a steady and unwavering trust in God because they've walked with God through difficult times. They've seen God be faithful through difficult times over the course of their lives and nothing moves them from that. The Apostle Paul who planted the church at Ephesus. He was there for 18 months. And as he was leaving the church, the the elders of the city walked him to where he was going to get this boat to go back to Jerusalem in the book of Acts, chapter 20. And this port city was called Miletus. And they were weeping because they knew that they would never see the Apostle Paul again. And it it says that they, they knelt down and they prayed together there on the port. But before they did, the Apostle Paul shared these words with them, the words that a spiritual father shares with his spiritual kids. He said these words, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So my friends, here's my question for all of us to ponder. Is Where are you? I mean, what level of spiritual development are you in? What stage are you in? And then do you really want to get to the next level by God's grace? So if I can, let me challenge you. I'm going to encourage you to take out your connection card right now because I'm going to challenge you in a couple of areas if I can. If you're a newer believer, maybe you're in that little children stage. Listen, um, we this week we started our growth groups. Our growth groups are spending the next six weeks studying how to study the Bible. Like how to read the Bible and understand it. Different methods of studying the Bible. And listen, you need to do whatever... It takes to be part of one of those groups. Well, I was thinking about it and I'll look. No, no, no. You need to decide to say, you know what? I want to get to the next level and that doesn't happen by accident. It happens when I'm intentional and I need to sign up, be part of it. Some of the groups are filled, some of the groups still have uh, a few slots open, and you just need to say, hey, I'm doing this. This is the day. They're happening just about every day of the week. And so you have an opportunity. The skill of knowing God's word is what separates the children from the young men. And so if you want to grow, you need to take action and be proactive. If you're a young man and you say, I'm I'm entering that young, young man stage, what do I do? Here's how you need to take action and be proactive. Listen, you need to start serving here at church. Well, you know, I've been thinking about that and um, I see that in the connection card, there's this thing. What's my next step? I thought I was going to look at this over the next 30 to 60 days. No, you need to look at it and decide in the next 30 to 60 seconds because this is the moment where God is speaking to you right now that you need to engage. People at the young men stage of spiritual development are engaging in ministry. You saw Gabe up here earlier. He's a young man and he's engaging in ministry because that's what young men do. Because you don't grow to the next level standing on the sidelines watching other people engage in ministry. We grow to the next level when we ourselves take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of us. We start serving God with our gifts and with our abilities. And you know what happens? We start experiencing what God wants to do in us and what God wants to do through us. Maybe you're one of the few who are entering the father stage. You've been around, you know the Bible, you're mature. I mean, you know the scriptures. You know the verses, you know the cross verses. I mean, you, you got it, You, you, you the references, you, you know it. You've walked with God for a long time. Listen, this is the moment where if you're in that stage, spiritual fathers reproduce themselves. Listen, if you're at that stage, you need to be leading. You don't need to be standing and watching. You need to be leading others. You need to be have, have being ser- served serving so faithfully that those of us in leadership, we say, hey, have you seen that guy? Have you seen that girl? I mean, they just love the Lord. They're so faithful in their service. They're mature that look what's happening. They're taking people under their wing, discipling them, leading them. And listen, now it's like you need to just be running ministries in the church. You know, you know you've gotten to the place of being a spiritual father when church is no longer about you when you come to church it isn't about oh what am I going to receive from this no you see coming to church is a place where yeah I'm going to hear God's word taught, and I'm going to get something but it's a place where I'm going to give because God is put me in a place where maybe I've grown a little bit and now I'm, 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 I'm over the years and I've experienced God and now he wants me to link arms with other men who have walked with God and now we're in that place where now we can just give out to those little children who are coming in and just learning those young men who are just getting their legs under them and experiencing those first few victories and we can share with them the joys of What it looks like to walk with God for 10, 15, 20 years. What a godly family looks like when a husband and wife love each other and love Jesus. And are seeking to raise kids who love the Lord as well. And and raise grandkids who love the Lord. You see, it's no longer about us. It's a place where we give out and we pour ourselves out into others. And that's why we have this amazing opportunity this amazing reminder. It's called communion. It's where Jesus showed us what real love really is. It's where he showed us what real sacrifice really is. And here's the thing that we learn about maturity, especially spiritual maturity. The more we mature, the less it is about us. And the more that we sacrifice for the sake of others, the more we love others. And that's what we're remembering here. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen the model, the template, the picture of what God wants to do in our lives to take pieces of us and give them away and you know what happens when we take pieces of us and give them away amazingly, you would think that there would be less, but actually God has this amazing thing of multiplication where when we give ourselves away he doesn't subtract, he multiplies and then God does more in us through us pouring ourselves out than we ever would have done standing on the sidelines just watching to make our lives less about us and more about the glory of God. And that glory being shown through our lives and the lives of other people who are yet to know Him, who are just coming to know Him, and those who are beginning to pick up some steam in their relationship with Him. Let's pray together. And God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you don't leave us as we are, but instead in your in your grace, you let us take steps in your direction. And God, that is our hope. Wherever it is that we are, we want to do what we can to take the next step. Help us, Lord. Help us to be what you want us to be, the people that you've called us to be, not for ourselves, but for your sake, for the sake of your kingdom for the sake of your mission of seeking and saving those which are lost. In Jesus' name.